Look around, what do you see? Cars, lots of them. And guess what? They're probably on Auto Trader. Whether you're into timeless classics or the latest trends, did somebody say solar-powered, eco-friendly, vegan, leather-wrapped, aromatherapy-scented, disco ball-equipped, self-driving car? If you see it on the road, you can likely find it on Auto Trader. Big cars, small cars, blue cars, new cars, used cars, electric cars, and one day, maybe even flying cars. With millions of options to choose from, buying a car becomes a whole lot easier. See it. Find it. Auto Trader. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there. Jerry's here. So bend over and let's get started, everyone. Trigger warning. Body horror. Yeah, this is about enemas. Trigger warning. Obviously, if you see the title, you're going to know what's going on. Sure. But, you know, there's going to be some gross stuff. And there's also a, a small section that does, uh, you may not want your kids to hear. Yeah. Uh, I would just say if this is probably not family road trip material. <laughs> yeah, just skip to the next one. Yeah, unless that next one, no, it's probably safe lately. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really just that one part, to tell you the truth. And even then, it's not like we're being, like, you know, lascivious or bawdy. No, it's nothing to be ashamed of. But, like, you just just uh, tread carefully with kids around. Everybody's like, oh, what are they talking about? I've never been more intrigued by a Stuff You Should Know episode intro. Oh, you'll know when we get there. So, um, Keep your pants on. <laughs> that was terrible. But great also at the same time. That's right. Um, so we're talking enemas, and uh, yeah, there were probably about seven, eight times researching this where I was like, I'm, I'm going to faint. Really? Yeah. And I'm I really surprised it. that I've actually gotten high colonics before. Like, I've done this stuff. I think I remember that. And You, you, you were into this, right? Yes. Actually, yeah. Okay. That's a good way to put it. I was into it for a while. Yeah. Um, and because there were times where I would get one and be like, I've never felt more positive and energetic than I've ever felt in my life. And then other times I would get them and I would feel like gray and couldn't look anybody in the eye afterward. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really strange how it can affect you. But, you know, when it does make you feel good, you can understand why people do it. The thing is, as we'll see, the reason that I was doing high colonics and why most people do high colonics, especially outside of a, a formal medical setting, mm -hmm. uh, is just basically bunk. That's true. I remember now you talked about this in our live Dr. Kellogg episode. Yeah. Because I remember you when you said you felt gray. That's how you described it on stage. There's no other way to put it. It always got a laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that true. Was good. That was but fun. also got a laugh. It's yeah. one of those true jokes. It, no, for sure. So um, I'll, I'll talk a little. I'll pepper this episode with, with my memories of that. How about that? <laughs> Great. But instead. I, I've never done it. Uh, you've never had an enema even? 
No, no, nothing like that. Okay, all right. Ex- exit only so far. I got gotcha. you. And so I'm not ruling anything out. But, but that's uh, the thing. So like Ed helped us with this one, and he specifically spells out. There's no reason for you to do this. That's true. And just let me correct myself real quick. I did have my colonoscopy, so I'm officially not exit only. Oh, congratulations, man. That's a good thing to do. No one told me two things going into this, uh, one of which is that the people coming in there to do it walk in like wearing rubber smocks, basically. <laughs> and when you see it, you're like, oh, sure. I, I would too. Uh, and the other thing no one ever told me and I think people don't tell people this maybe just because it's a fun surprise, is that all you do afterward for 30 minutes is fart. I don't remember that. I was sitting there, but pre-op, they brought a guy out next to me behind the curtain, and he was just blowing gas every 15 <laughs> seconds. Big ones, and I was dying. <laughs> and the guy came, I was, it was so funny to me. I mean, I'm mean, still five years old. Mm. The guy came in to wheel me in, the anesthesiologist, and I was like, is that him? And he went, that's everybody. Wow. And I went, so all day long, and he went, a cacophony of farts. Wow. And I was like, what a job. And he just kind of laughed, and he said, it'll be you too. And I came out, and I was in that beautiful propofol haze, mm-hmm. and I told the lady, I said, I got to go to the bathroom right now. And she went, you just have to pass, honey. Mm-hmm. She went, just go go ahead and start doing it. And sure enough, <laughs> I just started <laughs> just started blowing heat. For how long? Because I really genuinely About 30 don't minutes. remember doing that. I must have been yeah. like just basically out while I was doing it. Now I'm embarrassed. Maybe. Well, Emily didn't remember either, but she, I was in there with her, and she, I think, was pretty farty. So. Gotcha. Anyway, all that to say, uh, I, I did have the camera, uh, you know, going inside of my body. So you have been an innie now, not just an I, I guess so. I was looking for the right word, an innie, sure. Sure. So um, let's just let's get to the nitty-gritty here, okay? Yeah, what's an enema? It's when you have fluid injected through your anus into the rectum, mm-hmm. sometimes depending on the amount of fluid introduced and how long you can hold it, it can make its way up to the large intestine, which is mm-hmm. five feet or one and a half meters long, so... Uh, it can be a lot of fluid, almost two liters from what I saw. Um, and then you try to hold it, and then after a while, you pass it. Mm-hmm. And you're basically pooping a bunch of water out. And hopefully, if you're doing this for basically a non-medical reason, you're you're clearing out any remaining poop material in there. Yeah, which is when you go in for a colonic, they have you, uh, instead of doing a colonic or a re- or a enema, mm-hmm. They give you the stuff to drink where you do nothing but poop for, you know, 12 to 18 hours or whatever. For a colonoscopy. Yeah, because they, they don't want anything in there either. No, and it, because they, it can, they can, like, not make it past whatever chunks are in there or they can, um, it can you know, kind of um, block their, the data that they're getting from it, block their view, who knows. But, yeah, they, well, they want to Well, and the rubber that. smocks. <laughs> right. Like when I, I had to go one more time and I actually stopped the guy right as we were going in. I said, I think I have to go one more time. Is that a problem? And he went, no, please do. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, right, of course. <laughs> it's like you want all of it out. Yeah. So let's talk about where you're actually holding this water when you get in Anima. Yeah, to the five people still listening. <laughs> you think? No, I don't know. I think there are some people that are, I mean, that listen to the poop episode. If they're into that, they're into this. Sure. 
For sure. So um, in your guts, you've got your digestive tract, which basically is your guts. You've got your mouth, your pharynx, your esophagus. That's where the food goes, into the stomach. And from the stomach, it goes into the small intestine. And the small intestine is long. It's really long. It's like 22 feet long, all bunched up. Mm-hmm. And it's longer than the large intestine, but it's much narrower. And that is where we suck all the nutrients out of food, right? And then once we suck all the nutrients out of food, it goes ploop into the large intestine. That's right. All right, so from this point, uh, you're at the end of the small intestine, right? Mm-hmm. Am I in yep. the right part of the body? For sure. I feel like you shrunk me down, and I'm <laughs> listening to you on, like, <laughs> ear Please comms. get me out of here. <laughs> uh, you got the liquid food material at this point, and it's going to pass through uh, the ileocecal valve mm-hmm. into the cecum. And we talked about all this in the poop and the digestive episodes, but it's a nice refresher. And I think appendix, too. Yeah, Probably. It's always fun to talk about it because it's such a weird system that, that like, the answer is 22 feet of intestines. Yeah, but it's just such a beautiful idea or such a great system, it you know? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so the cecum is on the right side of the body in the lower abdomen. And then it's going to move into this the colon, which is that big, larger, segmented tube uh, that goes up the right side. And takes a little turn, actually not a little turn, a very sharp turn mm-hmm. across the body mm-hmm. uh, in the upper abdomen and is kind of curved and tucked underneath the stomach. Yeah. And then it goes down the other side and makes kind of a J at the bottom. And that's where it connects with the rectum. And the colon, by the way, is just another word for the large intestine. Um, There's different types of colon depending on what section you're talking about. But the point is, as it's going through this wild ride in your large intestine, although the nutrients have been removed, now the water is being removed, a lot of the liquid, so that you don't get dehydrated every time you poop. And that Mm -hmm. makes your poop not dry, but less moist than it would have been when it entered the large intestine. The point is this. When it gets to your rectum and goes out of your anus, what you're doing is pooping. And the whole point behind enemas as it stands, and they've been around for a really long time, is the idea that maybe there's something stuck in there. And if there's something stuck in there and it's gross, we should probably try to get rid of it and we'll probably be healthier as a a result. Yeah, and I think even beyond stuck, I think some people like the idea of just cleaning the pipes out really, really well. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sure, I know what you're saying. Like if they could get a, a one of those... Like test tube brushes, but, <laughs> yeah, a pipe, but you can't pipe brush. Yeah, yeah, like a pipe cleaner, but you can't. And so the enema has come along, and and I think a lot of people still do it for that reason. They just like maybe that's why you were doing it. It's like let me clean myself out. Yeah, um, I I was doing it for the idea of like toxins being removed, that kind of stuff. Um, right, which is it, it dates back to John Harvey Kellogg, but even further, as we'll see. But yeah, I think some people do just want to be cleaner. And I saw that there's a shower e- a extension or attachment mm. that is chrome, and you can basically just give yourself an <laughs> enema every day in the shower. Whether you should do that or not is highly debatable. And if you ask yeah. a doctor, they'll say no, don't even do it once. But some people right. do anyway. Interesting. Uh, all right. So if you want to go back through history, um, you it's one of the earliest sort of medical procedures that you could get. Uh, it is in ancient, ancient medical texts. Uh, we always talk about Pliny and Herodotus. They both wrote about enemas. Uh, the Egyptians were using enemas. Uh, there was apparently a bird called the ibis that they thought gave itself enemas with its beak. 
uh, when in fact it was just expressing oil glands near the anus mm-hmm. with its beak. But they looked at this bird and said, I guess, well, hey, if it's doing it, then maybe we should do. <laughs> right. um, but a lot of times with the uh, Egyptians, it was sort of a, a post um, – she's almost said postpartum, post uh, – after you die. <laughs> Post-posthumous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. Posthumous. <laughs> Posthumous. I was going to cut all that out, but I should just own it, right? It's up to you. No, I'm going to own it. Okay. I was I could not think of the word posthumous. It was something they did after you died. Yeah, they would put a bunch of cedar <laughs> oil up your poop chute and let uh-huh. you um, let your innards just basically dissolve that way. But they were also using it while they were alive, not using cedar oil, obviously, because that would have been horrible. But um, using other stuff like typically water, sometimes oils. Um, to basically clean themselves out. Again, that's long been and still is the basic idea of an enema for thousands of years. That's right. So as far as equipment goes, uh, you know, over the years, it's definitely uh, things have come and gone and what was available to them. Uh, Syringes have been around a lot longer than I thought, actually, Mm -hmm. before I researched this stuff. But depending on where you were and how much money you had, you might not have access to something like a medical syringe. Um, But one thing they would use is in certain parts of the world were bamboo tubes. uh, And you would, you know, stick this up someone's butt. And you would be very careful not to inhale with your mouth on the tube. And you would blow blow in. (laughs) And you would force liquid in through there. And this was something that they used. I think bellows came along because people actually would occasionally inhale, and that would lead to very poor results, right? Yeah, because a lot of times you were getting enemas for things like cholera, and if you accidentally like coughed and inhaled while you were in, while you were supposed to be blowing, you could inhale cholera-infested stool, and you were in big, big trouble. Ugh. Or even if it wasn't cholera infested, it's just a very poor day. It really is. And they were like, yeah. And like this is a it's a really basic idea. But over, you know, the centuries, people added things to it. Like you said, the syringe when it started to become more widespread. Um, There was a, a Dutch physician named Regnier de Graaf who in the 1600s realized that a lot of people could probably benefit from, you know, an enema, but they were too modest or embarrassed or something like that. So he really started to try to figure out how to make um, enemas self-administered, also to free the poor person who had to blow the the water through the bamboo tube as well. It was way better if you could just do it yourself without that kind of thing. Sure. Uh you know, things like water bottles are used these days in certain applications. Back then, they would use, like, animal bladders mm-hmm. and things like that because they, again, like you said, they, they tried to make it early on. I think even way back then, they were they said, this is probably something we should try and get people to do themselves no matter what tools they're using. <laughs> right. Like, we got to think of something to get everyone else out of the room. So just like everything else, um, there was an age of the enema. And this actually happened during the um, uh, the court of Louis the Fourteenth, who I believe reigned during the eighteenth century. Correct? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, yeah, like early sixteen thirties to early seventeen hundreds. Okay, all right, crap. So I was half right. So during this time, like it was, it was just com- just as fashionable as as it could be to get enemas, self administered or otherwise. And being the king, Louis the Fourteenth was like, um, 
I, I don't have to administer these myself. I'll have somebody administer them to me. And sure. also being the king, I will just I'll take visitors during these sessions as well. Yes, and he loved these things. Uh, reports say that he had over 2,000 enemas uh, during his reign. And uh, why this hasn't been like a, at least a movie scene <laughs> right. at some point, I have no idea where he's just kind of holding court or taking a meeting while he's getting an enema. But, right. um, you know, high society Parisians, they would show off their, uh, they were called clister uh, syringes. And they had several different ones. Some were like mother of pearl and very fancy. And mm-hmm. they would, they would you know, say, oh, look at mine. I have several different you know, <laughs> enema syringes. <laughs> and it was just uh, a thing people did a lot. Yes. Until the around the 18th, 19th century, when they started figuring out that, that they could make laxatives in pill form, and it was way easier. And they started prescribing those instead. Um, and it fell out of favor until John Harvey Kellogg came along. And for much, much greater detail on his um, experience with enemas, you could go listen to our live Kellogg Brothers episode, but uh, he he brought it back with a bang. And since then, his ideas that you're cleaning out toxins that otherwise will cause disease in you is still just the premise of enemas outside of the medical setting. That's right. Uh, another couple of things that I know, I know one of them we mentioned, and I couldn't remember, but I guess it was the drowning episode, was they used to, in England, perform tobacco smoke enemas. Mm-hmm. Uh, to revive people after drowning right. or if you lose consciousness. And I knew that sounded familiar. And then when it hit on the drowning part, that had to have been the episode. Mm, yeah. But they would blow tobacco smoke up your butt. Yeah, with a rubber hose. And that will wake you right up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I think they found that it didn't actually work very much. Oh, okay. So you want to take a break and come back and talk more about enemas? Hey, let's. <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stuxnet. Who's Stuxnet? Say it one more time. Stuxnet. I don't know. What that you is. know it's Stuxnet. Is it in this? Stuxnet. Stuxnet. It's a great name. Yeah, yeah whoever. Stuxnet. Stuxnet. That's the name of it. <laughs> it's a great name. All right. Stuxnet with an, e, with an X. <laughs> All right. So let's talk like the actual medical enema, right, and how it actually works. Okay. Uh, the first thing you want to figure out is how much liquid to put in. Right. Um, and it varies. There can be situations where they're basically kind of flushing you in and out where there are gallons of liquid that are used. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you might get a CT scan to actually determine a real volume to use, like how much space do you have to hold this uh, liquid. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually, though, it's about uh, a liter or so, roughly. Yeah. Um, I saw that the volume of the average colon, large intestine, is about one and a half liters to maybe three, I think. All right. So um, yeah. On the side of down. <laughs> but if you think about it, if you're using a liter, say two liters, you're filling up your entire large intestine with water. Yeah. Lucky for you, there's that um, ileocecal valve um, right. that prevents backflow from going from the large intestine back into the small intestine. Um, but that's actually like a big, a big risk with um, self-administered or non-medical enemas or colonics is there's a concern that that could actually breach that and you would be in yeah. big trouble because you'd be infecting yourself with stuff that you shouldn't be infecting yourself with. 
Yeah, that, I mean, that's one good reason not to do it yourself. Exactly. So you're going to probably be on your side. There's a doctor or nurse who's going to be, you know, administering it. And um, it's exactly what you think. They put a tube up your butt. They put the water or whatever it is into your uh, anus, which goes up to your rectum and then possibly into your um, large intestine. And while you're, while, while you're sitting there, you are overcome by the urge to poop. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that you're full or distended. Um, it's that the the liquid actually can trigger the mucosa lining the, um, the rectum to to poop. It's basically like there's two ways it's making you want to poop. And brother, do you want to poop? Right. So one is you're full and the other is that mucosa is just starts spasming because it's triggered. Right. Uh, and that's why I use uh, apparently why they use soapy water. Um, or not always, but there is such a thing as a soapy water enema. Mm-hmm. And that soap is is a lubricant, which helps, obviously, for obvious reasons. But it also can be extra irritating to the colon and, guess, make you want to poop even more. But I'm sure there's people out there who presume that soapy soap water enemas are used to clean you out extra good. <laughs> yeah, which is not the case, right? No, it's not. It's just for making you your colon spasm. Right. <laughs> so, um, while you're holding this, like sometimes you have to hold it because there might be a bunch of um, like impacted poop in there or something like that that they want to kind of soften up over time. So they may make you hold it for a while and you're going to cramp because you're not used to being this full. And also don't forget that your um, your colon is spasming, wanting to poop, and you just have to hold it for as long as you can. And then finally you get to poop it out and you go home and cry for a couple of days. So I guess we should talk about some of the valid reasons before we get to, like, the uh, reasons why you probably shouldn't just do one at home yourself to clean yourself out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are plenty of valid medical reasons why you want to go to a doctor uh, or if you're in a hospital or something to get an enema. Um, one is if you have uh, – and we're not talking about just your garden variety constipation that happens to people. We're talking about constipation that – has not responded to any other treatments. Right. Um, or possibly if it gets so bad, uh, something called fecal impactation can happen, which is just really long-term. I mean, it's what you think. It's really long-term constipation where your feces are just so hard and compact and dehydrated that it, it's probably not even possible to get them out other than with an enema. Right. Um and that's where you just sit there and hold it in for a while and just kind of let it loosen up, probably with like some warm water that's just breaking it up, maybe saline water too. Um, you also, or pop rocks. <laughs> right. Um, you also want, might, might want to do it, like you said, for if you're going to go get a colonoscopy. They might have given you an enema back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. Although I wonder how long they've been doing colonoscopies. At some point, enemas and colonoscopies cross paths. But now, since they figured out they can give you like that that magic drink that just makes you poop, 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 they don't really uh-huh. need to do enemas any longer. But I think yeah. that was a that was a point at some time. They met in a bar one night. <laughs> yeah, said we seem to have a lot in common. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I well, couldn't I've, think I've of a, a follow up joke. I really wanted to. <laughs> That was great, Chuck. There it is. All right. Thank you. Very nice. Um, Here's another reason. Uh, Before having a baby, uh, a lot of times uh, when when someone has a baby, they can can poop. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, they said, well, that's not a good idea because there could be bacteria in the feces. This is called cause infections. So you get an enema before you have a baby. 
but since the early 1980s, that has uh, kind of gone the way of the dodo because there was a paper uh, meta-study in 1981 that found that it did not reduce uh, infection, and it basically just added another stressful procedure uh, to you know pre-birth that, that right. they didn't want people to go through. Yeah. That yeah, you just why make it even <laughs> even more stressful, you know? Exactly. Um, also, if there's something wrong with your colon, they might give you an enema of barium sulfate, which um, shows up as opaque on X-ray. So if you have a, a colon full of barium sulfate, when they X-ray you, they're going to be able to see every nook and cranny of your colon. It really helps quite a bit, and you just get to poop out some barium. That's the sure. bonus of that one. Uh, this one is something I never considered, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, if you have to have a certain kind of medication, uh, like for your colon, mm-hmm. getting it there that way may be a really good idea. Because if you think about it, if you take it, like maybe if it's ulcerative colitis or something, uh, and you take something orally, like a steroid, you're going to maybe metabolize a lot of that on the way down. And your body is also going to have uh, probably more of a risk of side effects because it is being uh, metabolized in your whole body. Right. Whereas if you just go right to the spot and get that steroid in there, it's sort of a one-stop shop. Yeah, and also if the steroid's just meant for the treatment of ulcerative colitis, say, you don't want to like move steroids across your entire body, which will happen if you get it through IV or orally. This is like, it's just super laser-focused medication, which is great. That's right. Um, and also, it's the same. It's the same thing with suppositories too. Um, sometimes they'll use a suppository if you can't keep something down, or if they're trying to target that area because there's so many um, blood vessels in your anus and rectum. I think particularly in your anus that um, they'll just take that medicine and whoop, shoot it right through that area. <laughs> Uh, and this is where Ed, uh, the grabster, points out. He helped us put this one together. Is uh, he said you'll notice that none of the medical reasons were, you know, just to clean yourself out. Uh, no. That that is something that has, you know, uh, come on. I was about to say more recently, but Kellogg was doing it. Mm-hmm obviously a long time ago, and so were the Egyptians, so never mind. There's also, there was one other um, reason for it that I thought was pretty cool. If you end up, like, uh, needing our desert survival episode one day and you're overheated, oh, right. and you show up at the hospital, they might give you a cool water enema, and that will help reduce your core body temperature real yeah. quick. Inside-out method. It's pretty cool. I'll bet that is awful, but I'll bet it's I'll bet afterward you're like, that was amazing. I can't believe that worked, but it did. Yeah, maybe so. All right, Chuck, how about our second break? We're 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 making it, man. I haven't felt faint once yet. I haven't either. Okay, good. Um, so we're going to take a break and uh, come back and finish up Enemas. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. 
It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stuxnet. Who's Stuxnet? Say it one more time. Stuxnet. I don't know what that You is. know it's Stuxnet. Is it in this? Stuxnet. Stuxnet. It's a great name. You yeah, gotta quit Stuxnet. That's the name of it. It's a great name. All right. Stuxnet with an, e- with an X. <laughs> All right. So it's been a pretty wild ride so far. We described the process, medically speaking. Uh, some of the liquids uh, that you can use, medically speaking, mm-hmm. uh, regular old tap water, uh, soapy water, which we talked about. Uh, sometimes it will be saline water, uh, salt water enemas, different concentrations of salt. Uh, depending on what you want to do, whether or not you want to draw water into the intestines or draw water out, you're going to use different concentration layer, uh, levels of salt. Makes sense. What else? Uh, we mentioned barium sulfite, but also oil, right? Yeah, I think if you're if you've got the your poop is just not coming out, um, 
you they might give you some sort of oil to really kind of break it up a little more. I wonder what kind of oil. I would guess mineral oil probably. Tend to be 30. That, <laughs> right. That would be my guess. Okay. Sure. That makes sense. I think so too. So um, you talked about uh, how there's reasons that some people would want to be clean. Um and there are times where you might want to be clean. There are sexual activities that you might want to be clear for, and one of them is anal sex, right? That's right. Uh, you just passed that right along to me pretty quickly, <laughs> didn't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently in the porn industry, uh, it is very common practice if you have an, an anal sex scene on camera mm-hmm. to get really cleaned out beforehand. Yeah. Never I, really thought about that, but apparently that's a thing. I didn't either. I also saw um, that it's – Fairly common, at least according to Vice Magazine, among bottoms uh, in the gay community, um, that they will they'll basically give themselves enemas before sex. And okay. in this article, the the whole premise of it was like essentially that this doctor was saying like you don't need to do that. First of all, like most of like any remnant poop that's in there. Like here's the other thing. This is why you shouldn't do this in in the first place, no matter what the reason outside of a medical setting. You don't need to because most people whose like works are functioning properly are expelling almost all of the poop that ever goes through their body. There's so little left over um, that this is really unnecessary. And then also it's um, with, with, Anal sex in particular, you're rarely reaching the rectum. It's almost all anus, and there's not really any leftover poop in the anus. It would be in the rectum. Yeah, plus if you get that uh, bidet, right. it's crossing over with all kinds of episodes. You're clean up there anyway. Exactly. You're Yes, for sure. Uh, and along these same lines, the sexual pleasure is another reason somebody might uh, want to do this. Like, And we're not just talking about... Um, anal sex. We're talking about BDSM practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the thing in that community where some people might be into uh, like a humiliation fetish where you are forced to hold in an enema yeah. as as part of control uh, or maybe a medical fetish. And this happens in the BDSM community. And that's another reason you might get an enema. Yeah. It's, not, it's like, like a n- DIY enema. It's not preparing for a sex act. It is in itself the sex act, right? That's right. Part uh, of the sex act. So I was reading about that too. Yeah. And I saw it was like humiliation. Like you had to ask permission to to go finally. Um, that that was part of it. But I also saw um, it can also be treated as like a, a loving gift or something like that. It just uh-huh. all depends on how it's approached basically. Gotcha. And that, parents, was the aforementioned section. Yeah. And now it's over. Did we talk about anything kids can't know about? (laughs) Well, it depends on how open-minded you are and how old your kids are, I think. I was teasing. I know. Uh, So I talked a little bit about it being a fad, but then I walked it back. Uh, But it is a fad, and it has been for a while now, um, the notion like we've kind of harped on that, um, you know, it's not super expensive. It's You can usually get like an enema kit for not a whole lot of money, like right. it, it doesn't take a lot of high-priced equipment, and it's something that you can do in the privacy of your own home. And I think along with like uh, fasting and uh, juice cleanses, it's it's sort of in that same category as as this stuff where you're where you at least you're intending to clean toxins out of your body. And plus, also it has a real goop vibe too, you know. 
Uh, and Gwyneth Paltrow's goop, not just. <laughs> <laughs> well, well said. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, again, yes. If you're if you're doing this you, and you're you're fine medically, if you don't have digestive issues, um, then there's no reason for you to do this. It's superfluous, and it can also be potentially dangerous. That's the point. I don't think like the doctors who are saying like don't do this if you don't need any help with your digestive tract right. are, are just trying to like you know poo-poo anyone's fun. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what they're saying is, is like, there's there's actual risks with this kind of stuff that you could injure yourself and in some really horrific ways. I think this is where the fainting for me really kind of stepped up. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll just start with uh, perforations. <laughs> sure. Uh, if you are inserting something, uh, you know, into your anus, up into your rectum, mm-hmm. there is a chance that you could perforate something. Uh, you could have a, one of those nozzles go through the wall of the rectum. Uh, you could make a, even the tiniest hole in the wall of your colon uh, because of the pressure of that fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, none of this is a good thing at all. It could lead to sepsis. Uh, it is uh, all of a sudden you have um, things that aren't sterile where they shouldn't be, and it's just not a good idea. Right. Um, you can you can um, infect your parietal peritoneum, which holds your abdomen or your abdominal organs in place and doesn't want any poop water in there at all. It'd be a bad jam. You can also even just do more minor damage, too, where you just kind of scrape it or dent it or something like that. And right. it's not going to feel very good. And the reason why you're at risk of perforating or denting or scraping your rectum is because it's not like a straight shot from your anus up to your rectum up to your um, your large intestine, it's it, your anus goes one way and then all of a sudden it starts to double back and that's your rectum. So you really have to have some finesse here. And if you go too far, you can really be in, in some big trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we talked about drawing water out. That could obviously lead to some pretty severe dehydration if you lose a significant amount of water. Mm-hmm. Um, sodium phosphate, uh, if you use an enema that contains sodium phosphate, that can really lead to severe uh, dehydration. And we're talking like, you know, where your kidneys and your heart could be damaged. Yeah, because, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking electrolytes here. So you, the electrical conductivity of your heart depends on that kind of stuff. So, yes, if you have a heart condition, you should probably not be doing enemas, especially saline enemas for sure. But also, even if it's not saline, if you introduce too much water into your body, you can suffer from water toxicity, which is basically like the opposite of an, uh, that kind of imbalance of too much salt. You have too little salt, and that can cause problems too. Yeah, and aside from heart conditions and high blood pressure, which they don't recommend you get self-administer enemas in those cases, if you have any kind of complications with your your colon, uh, any kind of underlying condition there, you you don't want to be giving yourself an enema just to clean yourself out. Okay, got it. You got anything else? (laughs) I got nothing else. I feel like... This is a pretty short one. We sped through this one somehow. Well, I was going to say, we have a few minutes. I could share my experience with it. Yeah. Because we didn't it. really touch on any of it. So if you go and get a um, a colonic um, or colon hydrotherapy is what it's often called at like a med spa, they often have them. They're not going to like administer an enema to you. They actually have a machine that allows you to self-administer a continuous enema that they basically leave on for about 30 minutes. And it's a really kind of weird, ingenious contraption, but essentially it's like a the the kind of table that you would um, 
give birth on, so your legs are kind of spread apart. Okay. But then in the middle of the table is a hole with a tube coming up from it. And that <laughs> tube is what you have to, like, lower yourself onto. That's where you put the umbrella, the sun umbrella. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then around the tube is where everything comes back out, right? So um, in front of you is, like, a, a little shower nozzle, and it's mm-hmm. invariably um, the cheap Home Depot $10, like, fake cut crystal plastic shower nozzle. You know what I'm talking <laughs> uh-huh. about? Oh, sure. Um, so you turn it on, and, it, and you're in control. So you control how much is going in at any point in time because you can feel it immediately start to fill up in your in your colon, in your guts. Uh-huh. And um, you, you'll probably try to hold it as long as you can, and you might think that that's going to be a minute or 10 minutes if you're really optimistic, but it ends up being like 8 to 10 seconds. Oh, is really? the most you could possibly hold it. For me, at least, it was. And then when it comes back out, it goes through that tube— or through that hole around the tube, mm-hmm. through a plastic tube that okay. goes to the that takes it out as waste, it drains it away. And like I said, this contraption is really ingenious. They set a mirror up so you can see it coming through the tube, so you can see what's coming out of you. And uh, it's really something. They leave you in there for about half an hour, and like I said. Um, you can either walk away feeling like, wow, I really feel like a million bucks, which I still to this day don't understand, but it was not placebo effect because I'd had it before and that hadn't happened. This wasn't like the first time. Like it was, I, I don't understand what the mechanism could have been. Um, and then other times you can feel like really just just violated is the only way to put it. Like you violated <laughs> so, <laughs> yourself somehow. So it's either walking on sunshine or a Smith song. <laughs> Pretty much. Wow. So, is there a human in there with you? That's what I didn't gather. The human um, explains it to you and then leaves. And And then then, (laughs) runs and you see a little dust cloud? Basically, yeah. (laughs) The only time that the human will come back in while you're doing this is when you haven't inserted the tube far enough into your anus because water starts spraying out oh, and they'll wow. they'll you'll basically be like oh, I think something's wrong and they'll come in right. and be like here <laughs> you don't have this far enough up and you're like no I really do I really do and they're like you don't you have to uh-huh. put it further up wow. and you have to put it further up and then once you get it up there correctly the water stops spraying out and you can get down to business one thing I didn't <clears> look up was the coffee enema do you know what the deal is with that or is that just a variation of the liquid? I, I Yeah, as far as I know, I don't understand what it's used for. But I know that, like, because there's so many blood vessels there, <clears throat> you would be pretty hyped up on caffeine if you use, like, fully caffeinated coffee. Oh, well, that's probably the purpose, right? Well, yes. And then we should also say tangential to that, people have used alcohol in enemas before. And that uh. is f- potentially deadly. Yeah. Pro- actually, probably deadly, depending on what kind of alcohol you put in there and how often you do it. Um, wow. Because you're just absorbing alcohol way faster than you would if you would drink it. So your blood alcohol um, volume can get really high really fast, and you can give yourself alcohol poisoning. So under no circumstances do that. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. What is wrong with people? I don't know. <laughs> I-, I have nothing else. I'm just... I'm in a fugue state. (laughs) Okay. All right. I don't have anything else either. Um, Well, that's it for enemas, everybody. Chuck's in a fugue state, which means, of course, it's time for listener mail. Uh, We got a couple of replies, and this is um, in lieu of you, uh, your assertion that there would be no cocaine in small town Michigan in in 1975. One person really schooled me. Yeah, I don't think this was it. Okay. Uh, This is from a West Virginian. No, this is the Uh, guy. 
Oh, really? Yeah, not in a hostile manner. I'm saying like oh, okay. he took me to school. <laughs> I got you. Um, I thought you meant in a, you know, get in there and take your enema like a big boy way. <laughs> right. Uh, I have to ask permission to, to let go. <laughs> Greetings from a longtime listener in West Virginia. I'm writing in regards to death from astral projection, uh, where the autopsy report determined that Robert's death was due to a cocaine overdose. Uh, Josh expressed skepticism about cocaine being in Ann Arbor in 75 because of the high roller image. I can't speak to that directly, if you know what I mean. But I can tell you that cocaine was absolutely in Morganton. Is it Morganton or Morgantown? Morgantown. It just sounds like it'd be one of those places that says, no, it's Morganton. Well, I said it was Morgantown, so that means, of course, it's Morganton. And we sure have never been the epicenter of financial markets or a hangout of the rich and famous. But I was a college sophomore then and uh, was in more than one room where it happened. Uh, A lot of the illegal drugs that make it to Morganton. Morganton Town, uh, come from Detroit, and to this day, drug arrests here often involve people from there. If cocaine made it uh, to uh, the M-Town, home of West Virginia University in 1975, Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty much a certainty that it also made it to Ann Arbor. Okay. Uh, I love the podcast. Of course, this is anecdotals still. Uh, I love the podcast. I'm happy to have a chance to write in and shed a little more light on an interesting mystery. Mm-hmm. Should you read this on the podcast, please don't use my name. If my 93-year-old mom got wind of this, she'd still ground me. <laughs> so that is from uh, Jeffrey Charles. That's no, I'm awesome. Kidding. That's uh, anonymous. That's great. Thanks, anonymous. That was a fantastic email. I, I really feel like, yes, it is anecdotal, but they make just about as good a point as you possibly could. So I rescind it. I still don't understand why this this yogi would have suddenly gotten into cocaine. I agree with that. When everybody in his life says no, including friends, not just his mom. His yeah, friends I agree with too, that but but I mean this guy makes a pretty good point. It's possible. It's possible. If you want to get in touch with us and let us know what's possible, we're always looking for that kind of thing. You can send it in an email to stuffpodcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.